Good morning. Bless like Jesus blessed. Part two. Speaking the truth. And we're going to look at uh, this very, very well-known passage of John's Gospel, chapter three. It's a classic, isn't it? The story of Nicodemus. But we're going to look at it this morning through a different lens, not the usual way we would you know, go through this, uh, expound this passage. And the reason is because what we want to get out of it this morning is see how Jesus blessed. Right through the New Testament, we're encouraged to to use him as an example. The Lord himself said, I leave you an example. The Apostle Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And you know what? God himself predestined, that's a good word, isn't it? predestined us to conform to the image of Christ, which basically means to become like Christ. So if we want to bless each other, the community at Montmorency and the wider community like we talked about last week, it's a good idea to have a look at the way Jesus blessed. Maybe we'll learn something. Who did he bless? How did he bless Now, quite often this excuse is given to me when I talk to people about, you know, we should be more Christ-like. Let's follow the Lord's example. Yeah, Raph, but, you know, he was God manifesting flesh. He was God's son. It's too hard to be like Jesus. Well, I don't know, because the Lord left us a lot of practical examples, realistic things that you and I can do. Would it be a fair God? Would it be a just God for, to him, for him to ask us to do something that was impossible for us to do? I don't think so. Last week, Josh shared with us how uh, the Lord was born to bless and we looked at the fact that uh, the Lord was light and life. Verse 4 in particular said, In him was the life, and that life was the light of men. Hopefully we can get this to work. There we go. Just, just to refresh your memory, verse 14 of chapter 1, it said that he came to us. You know, God had all that knowledge, all that wisdom. He could have written it again on tablets of stone, but he didn't. He sent his son. He came and dwelt amongst us, and his glory was seen. It was evident to all, doesn't it, that he belonged to God. That's what Nicodemus said. We'll go, we'll look at that in a minute. And, and, and it was evident where he came from, from the Father. His origins were obvious. And he was full of grace and truth. Quite often we, we, we get taken up with the grace bit because, you know, that's good for us. It doesn't say just grace, does it? And truth. That's what I'd like to focus on this morning. Now we're going to take these four points 
with us into chapter 3. That's why I just gave you a little quick uh, summary. So in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, I hope you've got your Bible there open. Nicodemus covers three of those four points in the first two verses. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come, where? From God. Not the local rabbinical school in Jerusalem, but from God. And he says, it was quite evident to Nicodemus, he says, for no one can perform the miracles, the signs you have been doing if God were not with him. It was evident by the Lord's life where he came from, who he belonged to, who he was representing, what he'd come to say. Sounds a bit like the New Testament Christian, or at least it should. Nicodemus says, we know. And what he meant by that was that they'd heard the words. They'd seen the deeds of this man, Jesus. He was out there. He wasn't in heaven. He was out where? It tells us, amongst the people. Brothers and sisters, if we learn nothing else this morning, we have to be out there amongst the people. How else will they see and know where we come from, who we belong to, what our true origins are like? The Lord blessed in this passage two ways. One we've mentioned a lot already this morning and we'll talk about that a bit more. But the second way, Nicodemus says, we know that you are a teacher. I've been a believer for a long time now. Since I was 21, that's probably about five or six years. No, (laughs) a bit longer than that. And I've come to realise that Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher ever. He changes life, he changed my life and he's changed many of your lives too. And he's still relevant. The things that he taught are still relevant today. Nothing's had to change. You know, we haven't, dis- we haven't discovered that, you know what, Pluto's not really a planet. Who knew that? You know? The Lord didn't have to come back down and say, oh, you know what, I made a mistake. You know the thing I told you about washing the feet? Forget about that. No, he didn't say that. It's not necessary. He's a divine teacher as well. To teach means to impart knowledge of something, a skill to give instruction. The teacher will inform, will enlighten, will school people. That means to educate. That's why we call our schools schools because they're supposed to educate children. A teacher can also coach to train I think about these young people that stand up here and play all these instruments. I I was never given the opportunity, never had the opportunity to be taught how to play a musical instrument. I would have loved to do that. I really would. I envy these young people. 
Teachers are very important to us, aren't they? They really are, not just in school. And before you say anything, I know teachers should be paid more. Okay, let's just leave it at that. But they impact us all, don't they? From a very early age, from kinder, right up to when we go to university and leave university. Teachers are very, very important. But it doesn't stop at the school, does it? What about the home? At work? I was talking to Brett uh, during the week and he was telling me that uh, he's put on another apprentice. Great. It's great that you, you, can, you can pass on a trade, a skill to somebody else that will give them a start in life, help them to support their family. That's great. You know what? Brett says that's the sixth one. It's the sixth one. I think it's brilliant. At sport, you can, you can get trained to perform at sport, music, I've already mentioned, and even at church. There are teachers at the church, very important to us, help us to, to learn how to live the Christian life. They, they, teachers help us to enlighten us and inform us about a whole heap of things. And this is what happened to Nicodemus. The Lord did this for him. You know, I want you to realise this, that Nicodemus was not stupid. He wasn't stupid. It, it can give, you can get that impression by, the, by the, the text, can't you? But he wasn't. You see, Nicodemus was an educated man, a religious man, a Pharisee, a very smart people, highly educated. He had a fair bit of knowledge about the Old Testament, about the Jewish faith, about God himself. And he was also on the Jewish council, the ruling council. So he was, a, he was a smart man, had a lot of influence. But you see, the fact that he was smart, he realised that he didn't have all the info. And so he came to the Lord Jesus by night, it says. There's a whole heap of reasons why that's possible, but that's not important. The fact is that he came to the Lord to get information he didn't have. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Nicodemus was blessed by the Lord informing him, enlightening him, teaching him something he didn't know. The second way the Lord blessed was by speaking the truth. Very important. I want you to notice that in the passage that we read together this morning, in verses 3, 5 and 11, there's a little phrase there that says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I hope you can underline it. If it's the pure Bible, don't do it. Deacons won't be happy. But if it's your own Bible, please underline that. Because I'm an old person and I, I came to faith through the King James Bible. And in the King James Bible, those three little passages, it starts off by saying, verily, verily. Alright? Now, in the RSV and the ESV, it, it starts off truly, truly. Not just truly, but truly, truly. Very important. And when you go to the, to the original text, it says, Amen and Amen. But what it's trying to say is that this is true. It's, it's assured. That's the thought that comes across. And just as an aside, if you ever get the chance 
To have a look at that little phrase, I tell you the truth, in the New Testament, it happens 25 times. It's recorded 25 times like that. It's a brilliant study. It will not only encourage you, it will inspire you. If you get time, please go through it yourself. Verily, verily. Love it. The Lord blessed people. He blessed people and he was a blessing to people because he spoke the truth. Now, I want to tie in the truth and the teachers. There are all sorts of teachers. I was hoping Desi was here, ex-Kobu High person like myself and my wife. You know, I want you to do this little exercise with me. Think of the teachers at high school in particular. Think of them, all right? You got them in your head? All right. They were the good teachers, weren't they? Mrs. West. Mm, great teacher. They were the interesting teachers, weren't they? There was Mr. Herman. He was, I loved going to mechanical drawing. He was the most interesting teacher I ever had. There was the boring teachers, Mr. Acton. Remember Mr. Acton? I mean, you know, you, you've got a Mr. Acton. I know you have. The boring teachers. Then there was the incompetent teacher. Yeah? Miss, Mrs. Or I think it was Miss Harding at the time. Now, I have to be honest, you know. I was about 14, 15, hormones raging. She was very attractive. All the boys loved going to geography. Uh, she was a hopeless teacher. There were the strict teachers, Mr. I. Marshall. Every time I think of Mr. I. Marshall, even now, all right? What about the slack teachers, Mr. Parker? Yeah? You know the teacher that never did anything, ever? <laughs> Yeah, yeah there, were, there, there were those teachers. The mean teacher, this lady, she still frightens me. I used to sit out the front because I, I had a hearing problem then, so I used to always sit up the front. Not a good place to sit because the teacher stands right in front of you with the ruler, right? Okay. Mrs. Cossack was her name. Seriously, that was her name. Boy, was she mean. She should have seen the make. Anyway. But, you know, you've all got those sort of... But the worst teacher, the worst teacher you could possibly have is the false teacher. What sort of teacher? The false teacher. All right? That's the worst teacher you can have. The Lord wasn't one of those. What did he do? He told the truth. He wasn't just a great teacher or a divine teacher. He was a truth teacher. What is truth? That's a question that's often asked. I've got a vivid imagination. I think I've explained this to you before from the platform. But I'm thinking about John chapter 18. You know what that is? That's where the Lord stands before Pilate. That's the question Pilate asked. And they had a bit of a discussion about different things that were happening and who he was, who, who Jesus was. And the question came up, what is truth? Now, when you read it, if you read it later on, when you read it, it doesn't, the answer doesn't come because Pilate just leaves the room straight after that. So in my, my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder what the Lord would have said to that. Who else, who better to answer that question? You don't get the answer, though, in that passage. So I'm thinking, what would, it, what would the Lord have said? 
And I'm thinking the Lord would have just said, you know what? You're looking at him. The truth. You're looking at him. Now, that's not biblical, all right? That's just my imagination. Because that's a very important question, truth. What is truth? Look it up in the dictionary. They didn't want to let you down, so I did that. The true or accurate state of a matter. We had it, we had it, that was good, good, yeah. Conformity with fact or reality of verity. And three, a verifiable or indisputable fact. That's truth. Alright? The word true, because you have to have, you have to know what the word true means in order to get that truth bit. The first meaning is in accordance with an actual state or conditions. I love number two. Real, genuine, authentic. Three, sincere, not deceitful. So, you, you know, you, you, you can be deceitful, you know, as well as telling lies. Exact, precise, accurate, correct. Now, that's what the dictionary says. But in reality, there are three, three versions of the truth, aren't there? There's my truth, Graham. Then there's Kat's truth. That's her truth. And then there's the truth. Yeah? Hands up if you like people lying to you. No hands up. All right. Well, what about what about hands up if you like uh, being spun? You know, people spinning you. A, no hands up again. But that's what's happening to us. All those people out there. Spin means to put a particular bias on something. All right. That's not even telling a lie. It's just we don't like it. You know, truth is very important to us all. We want our partners, our husbands and wives, our boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, fiancés and so forth, to tell us the truth, to be truthful with us, to be honest with us. We want our children. Yes, we do want our children. Sometimes, Judy, it's better that we don't know. Not good that they, it's not good that they lie, but it's better that we don't know, all right? But we, we want the truth. Our politicians. I think if a politician ever stood up and told us the truth... We would fall back dead. Yeah, I reckon we would. It's true. The doctor, we want our doctors to be honest with us, don't we? And most importantly, your church leaders. You have to have church leaders that will tell you the truth. You really do. Another part of John's Gospel talks about the truth as well. You know, society talks about there's no such thing as absolute truth. You can have relative truth. You can have subjective truth. The Hindus have two truths. How about that? You know, you don't like that one, you can have the other one. But the scripture talks about the truth. In John 14, the Lord himself, this teacher that we're referring to this morning, the one who came full of glory and truth, Grace and truth, rather. He stood up and he says, I am the way. You know, every person 
would like to know whether there's a heaven or not. Every single person, for sure, you know, to be absolutely sure. And for those that think there may be a heaven, they'd love to know how to get there for sure. Absolutely. Positive. The Lord said, I am the way. He also said, I am the life. I am the life. We're all mortals, aren't we? We're all going to die one day. We are. Unless the Lord comes, of course. I hope that happens today. But if he doesn't come soon, some of us won't be here. Always talk to people about death and, you know, they think, oh, you know, think, think there's an afterlife. Mate. Wouldn't you love to know if there was an afterlife or not? I am the life. The Lord was referring to eternal life. But in between those two statements, the I am the way and I am the life is what? I am the truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. Those two things on either side are underpinned by the fact that Jesus Christ is the truth. And what he tells us about those things and other things can be relied on. Absolutely. And it is couched in, in fact and, and, and genuine and, and authentic things and real things. And going back to the, our, our passage here, I tell you the truth. The word of God, God, it said the word, God became flesh, full of grace and truth and dwelt amongst us and taught us. That's what happened. And it was evident, evident that he was a teacher from God. The information that Nicodemus received was straight from the source, right from the source. It wasn't diluted like some of us have done in churches. Diluted the truth because it's hard to take sometimes. Or it wasn't distilled, which means... You know, so concentrated that it's hard to take. That's legalism. I've come from a church like that. The Lord says in verse 13 that what he has to say is reliable. Because why? Because he came from heaven. He was right there with God, side by side, listening to what God wanted him to tell us. I love it in the scripture, in the New Testament, where, the, where the, they, they, they talk to the Lord and he says, you know, I have not come to tell you what I think. Again, this is the Raf Kirchi version, the paraphrased version. I haven't come to tell you my attitudes. I haven't come to tell you my ideas. What does he say? He puts it on record. I only speak the Father's words. I love that. That's why I love the stuff that's written and read in my Bible. They're the Lord's words. But really, they're God's words. So the things that he says come straight from God, from the source, not diluted, not distilled. 
And he was informative, wasn't he? In verse 11, he talks about that, that there's things that he has come to tell us, information to give about things that we've never heard before. Well, Nicodemus, anyway, you and I have heard them, of course. And he says in verse 19 that, that these things are, are trustworthy because of the miracles and signs. They've been authenticated. Do you realise, sometimes we take this for granted, do you realise that, that what Nicodemus heard this night, he heard about born again. What is that? I mean, you and I think, yeah, yeah but born again, we know that. But we, we do know. But it's the first time it's ever mentioned. It's come straight from God to be born again. The Spirit of God living inside an individual. Brand new information. So loved the world, Nicodemus heard. What? Not, not, not just Israel? No. The whole world, God. Yahweh is what Nicodemus would have known. Loves the whole world. And then there's that word, that word that I love. Whosoever. Whosoever. You know, to Nicodemus, to a Jew, that's not, that's not a good thing. Not only was Nicodemus a Jew, but he was a Pharisee. They were privileged. They thought they were going to get extra special benefits from God. Nicodemus heard that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. Guaranteed. By God. Love it. And and that's not all. Just like the old uh, thing on there's more, there's more. Not knives, but there's more. He heard about, he heard about the salvation of the world. The Gentiles as well. Is it any wonder, Nick? I can just picture, I mean, again, vivid imagine that. Can you just imagine, you know, Nicodemus' head going round and round, hearing all this stuff. From who? From a teacher come from God. He said it himself with his lips. He was convinced of that. And this is what was said. Things that we take for granted. But let me tell you, Nicodemus needed to be informed and educated, even though he was a, a very smart man, knew a lot about God and the Old Testament. He needed, he needed this information. Brothers and sisters, there's a world out there, a world, not just our little community, but the whole world needs this information. Otherwise they won't be blessed by God. So this is how Jesus blessed a teacher who taught the truth. Oh, hang on, it didn't work. A teacher who taught the truth. The question is this morning, can we bless like this? Can we bless like Jesus blessed? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Part of the Lord's command, it was a command. People say it's the Great Commission. It is, but it's a command. The command from in Matthew 8, 28, in Matthew 28, 20, got it, is what? Go and make disciples of all nations. Yes, absolutely. Baptising them, absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. But it doesn't stop there, does it? doesn't stop there. It says, 
and teaching them and teaching them them to obey all the things I have commanded. Very important part of being a New Testament believer is teaching people about God. It's right through the New Testament. Also in the Old Testament, parents, God's expectation of you, and me of course, I'm a parent and a grandparent now, is to teach your children about God. Deuteronomy, right from the word go, Deuteronomy 6 and 7, God laid that responsibility, not on the, on the kids' church teachers and the teen church teachers, not on the youth group leader, but on you and me to teach our children. In 2 Timothy 2, it talks about us teaching each other. You have to teach me, I have to teach you by our experiences by the things that we we have come to know as individuals about Jesus Christ. That's why I love home groups. We can do that in a home group. Talk about what happened during the week. Talk about how we can handle this situation in the staff room or this situation at work or this situation at school. Teaching God's truth is what we've been left here to do. All right, that's what we've been left here to do. Well, it's an expectation. That's, it says that in the Great Commission. Yeah, it does. So, who can you teach? Who can you teach? He's, oh, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. I can't do this. It's too hard. My mum, my mum was not a chef. Are you laughing at? She wasn't a chef, but. I can make a real mean spaghetti bolognese. And my minestrone is legendary, isn't it? My mother-in-law loves it. My mum was not a chef. She taught me how to cook. My dad was not a builder. But my dad taught me how to renovate a home, a house. Very good, very good that he did that. I'll make a living out of it now. My wife, oh, she's over there, but she's sitting over there today, just trying to trick me, is not an evangelist. She's not an evangelist. That she did a Nicodemus to me one day. She told me about the Lord. She gave me information I needed to know, and I became a believer. Praise God for that. She's not an evangelist. My father-in-law never went to a Bible college. Never, ever. He was a painter by trade. But he showed me how to study God's word. I've benefited from that. I'm hoping that I'm blessing others by sharing what I've learned from God's word by how my father-in-law showed me how to study God's word. I'm sure somebody showed him, taught him how to do it. There's a man called Jim Brown, gone to be with the Lord. He never physically mentored me, but he taught me how to be a Christian father. Hmm, Christian father. Some of you know Jim. And then there's a man called, what's his name? Bill Norton. Do you know Bill Norton? Bill and Gwen Norton. You know, when I first came here and I got to know Bill, he always said to me, Raph, you know a lot more about the Bible than I do. (laughs) I don't know. That man showed me, taught me how to be an older Christian. 
How to finish well. Brothers and sisters, I want to finish well. And I've learnt how to do that from Bill Norton, Bill and Gwen. That's how you can teach somebody something. They're just ordinary people. Teaching them something. Everybody, remember that, those words last week, everybody in this church has the opportunity to teach something about God that you know, that you know well. About the Lord. About your faith journey. To somebody. To somebody. You can share it with somebody. Little kids and when we heard that you, there's, there's a need in, in, in kids and teen church, maybe help the youth maybe, maybe join a home group, share your experiences there with your neighbour, work colleague. There's so many people. Will you explore, please, will you explore this opportunity that you might have? Ask God to guide you and speak to you. Maybe speak to someone how you could do it. Speak to an elder, a ministry leader, whoever. Try and explore that. And the second part, time's marching on. How can we bless by speaking the truth? Let me tell you that, that speaking the truth costs the Lord a lot. If you look at the Gospels, you have a look at the Lord. He had thousands of people following him at the start. And the more he spoke, the smaller the crowds became. People don't like the truth. Of all the things that the Lord did, you know, he was probably hated the most for speaking the truth. Think about it. How popular are you when you speak the truth, eh? Can we bless like Jesus blessed? Absolutely. Yes. The truth, apart from salvation, is probably the most seriously lacking thing in our society, in every aspect of our society, in homes, in schools, in churches, in politics, everywhere. If we knew the truth... We'd have the answers. We would be able to find the answers to the problems that ail us as a society, as a church, as a marriage. Ephesians 1 and 3. We're reminded there that we are saved by the truth. Saved by the truth. In Ephesians, and we looked at this just, just late last year. In Ephesians 4.15, it says that we are to speak with love the truth. Why? Because we grow into maturity and become more Christ-like if we do that. Brothers and sisters, if you don't tell me the truth, I will not grow. I will not become Christ-like. I don't like hearing the truth sometimes, I'll be honest. But I need to hear it. That's what it says. Please do it in love. But please do it. I give you permission. First Corinthians 3, 6, 3 and verse 6. It says about love. It says this about love. This is very interesting. You know, we, we go on about love, don't we? We need to love one another. Absolutely. God loves us. Yes. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. If there's no love, oh, sorry, if there's no truth, there's no rejoicing in love. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? Romans 2 and 2 says that God's judgment, the coming judgment of God, is not based on evil. What you've done that's been bad, what's it based on? It says in Romans 2 and 2, it's based on the truth, the things that are true. Unfortunately, Romans 1 and 18 says that the world suppresses the truth. The truth has an enemy, brothers and sisters. We talked about the enemy, didn't we? I remember telling you about what it's like to have an enemy as a Christian. Truth has an enemy. Think about that. James 1 and 18, verse, verse, chapter 1, verse 18. The new birth was given to us by God through the truth, through Jesus Christ who is the truth. Can you see how important truth is to God? How vital it is? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. It tells us, it encourages us, maybe even commands us, To purify ourselves. Brothers and sisters, we're told to purify ourselves. Not by deeds, not by doing any sort of works, but by the truth. That's what it says. Use the truth to purify yourselves. And and finally, the last couple is 1 John 1 1 and verse 8. It talks about that the truth is in a believer. How is that possible? Well, because we possess the spirit of truth. One of the 13 titles of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. How do you know when you're telling a lie? How do you know when you're thinking a lie? How do you know when you know your attitude? It's the spirit of truth convicting you. Now, how you respond to that, that's another question, another time to discuss that but that's why it happens that's why I feel guilty sometimes because I'm fighting against the truth I know what I should do I don't always do it I'm ashamed to say that and then in 1 John chapter 3 verse 9 it tells us that we belong to the truth that's what it says now I belong to Christ yeah but it also says in, in John chapter three, first John three nineteen, that we belong to the truth. And this this is a really special verse for me. John seventeen verse seventeen. It's a conversation, or it's a prayer, really. But it is a conversation. It's a prayer of the Lord Jesus to His Father in heaven. You don't get an insight into many of the Lord's prayers to his Father. You don't. This is one of them. Now listen to what he says. He asks something of his Father. Sanctify, that means to set them apart. Sanctify them, that's the believers, by the truth. Not by your mighty power or by the legions of angels. None of that. By the truth. And then he says, your word is truth. You know, I'm not doing this justice, I know, but this is just important. All these things are. 
Like the Lord, speaking the truth will cost you, costs me. It'll make you unpopular. <laughs> it really will. People will become antagonistic towards you by telling them the truth. Now, I'm assuming you're doing it in love. You're being as gentle as possible. And you're doing it with their best interest. But nevertheless, it's still going to happen. They'll be aggressive. And they'll respond to you with hurtful things. That's why, Judy, it's hard. You told me that it was hard, wasn't it, this week to tell someone the truth? Because this is what happens. The brothers and sisters, we don't get a free pass from God. Just because it's difficult doesn't, we don't, doesn't give us a free pass. John 8, verses 31 and 32 says, If you hold to my teaching, the Lord says, you are really my disciples. Then you will know what? The truth. And the truth will set you free. Brothers and sisters, there are people out there in bondage. They don't know the truth. And they'll stay slaves. They'll stay in bondage because they don't know the truth. As we look around, as we look around, and in particular, last weekend, if you lived in Monty, last weekend in Weir Street, as you look around and you think about what's happening in our society, in our schools, in our marriages, in our homes out there, who else is going to speak the truth apart from you and I? the people of God, who have been charged to do that. How else will they hear the truth unless we we speak it, we teach them little bits and pieces of it? How else will they be set free? How else? Blessed like Jesus blessed is not only possible, brothers and sisters, it's vital. It's vital for those people out there who don't know the Lord. They don't know the truth. And I encourage you this week to be a blessing in some way to someone. All right? It doesn't have to be a big thing. I encourage you to be a blessing to someone this week. Bless like Jesus blessed. Let's put it into practice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again this morning for the opportunity to gather together as your people. And we love the the idea that we belong to you. Father, with that tremendous privilege comes an awesome responsibility, an awful responsibility sometimes when we think about it. We represent you here. We, We are ambassadors of Christ. When people look at us, Father, I pray that they would see Christ I know that this is not always the case and I pray that you would help us as individuals to examine ourselves and see what areas need attention and as a church here, as a community of your people I pray that you would help us to unite and have one purpose in mind to be a blessing to others just like the Lord was a blessing to those who came in contact with him That can happen in various and many ways, Father. Give us not just the opportunity, but show us exactly how each of us can do this in our sphere of life, where it may be at home, at work, at the school, 
wherever it may be, whoever we rub shoulders with, Father, help us to see the opportunity that, that is before us. I thank you, Father, that you sent your Son to be our teacher, to be our Saviour, to be our Lord. And, Father, I thank you that he came and he spoke the truth because, because by that we became children of God. So, Father, I thank you again this morning for the opportunity we've had to spend some time in your word. Please bless it to us. And this we ask in the Saviour's name. Amen.